This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having a new friend of mine, Alex Plonsker, here with me from Split Gym. We've been talking about his startup and his pursuits over the last six months, and we're here to get an update of where you're going, what the market says, and how we're going to change the way people interact with fitness boutiques and clubs starting today. So fire away. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So, uh, yeah, Split Gym is essentially StubHub for the fitness industry. So if uh, people have a class package or a membership to a studio or a gym, um, they basically can link it to our app and sell their unused classes or days for cashback. So kind of creating a secondary marketplace and allowing people uh, to have liquidity for these products when they buy them. Got it. So t talk about your background as an entrepreneur and, you know, how you stumbled upon this as a, as a next big opportunity and um, how you're going through the, the trial and error here, figuring out what the business model is. Yeah. So um, I'm originally from Chicago, uh, went to DePaul University in downtown Chicago Graduated a couple of years ago, uh, got a job out in New York at an investment bank called Mollison Company, mm -hmm. um, and did that for a year, was everything I imagined it would be, and more, and ended up kind of working on this as a side project uh, when I could, and ended up leaving after a year, raised money, built the products, um, and we have kind of early traction now in New York with... Uh, about 40 studios. Um, so, you know, kind of refining the business model, but in the middle of raising our first venture round. So ended up actually, I came on here as a, I was a listener uh, and found you and saw you were at DLJ back in the day. So I thought I'd give it a shot and reach out to you. And that's how we connected, I think. Awesome. Yeah. XDLJ and Molus uh, ties are, are, are deep <laughs> and everyone misses DLJ, but it uh, looks like that's not... <laughs> going to come back as a, uh, as a, as yeah. an investment bank again, unfortunately, there's <laughs> a special place. So why don't you give people a little bit of a commercial on if I'm a health club operator, I'm a fitness boutique operator. What are you trying to help? What's the frustration that you're trying to solve and how does that solving of the frustration also help the consumer? Yeah, so saw a big problem in the studio space with current kind of aggregators, I guess you call them in the space, or you know these Groupon apps, ClassPass, and others, um, where essentially what they do is they'll purchase these spots from the studios at you know fifty percent discount to the full price ahead of time, and then they'll let their monthly paying users go. But what happened was it you know ended up cannibalizing a lot of the customers from the studios, and um, essentially has commoditized the whole industry. Um, so. The whole concept with our app, Split Gym, is basically, you know, the studio can sell a huge value prop to prospects um, by saying, hey, you know, if you get a package or a membership at our studio, you can link it to this app and you have the ability to sell it off in the secondary marketplace. By doing that, you're making it more affordable for people and you're opening up this product to a more price sensitive consumer. So, you know, if I work out at a 24-hour fitness, I'm you know, paying $70 a month, I know I could upgrade, I might pay 150, 200, in some cases, $400 at some of these places in New York City. Um, I'm going to be more likely to do that because I know that I have the ability to earn cash back and get out of it. So it's like, 
if all sporting event tickets or concert ticket sales were final, I guarantee you people wouldn't be paying, you know, $400 to go to Lollapalooza. Um, prices would be lower and people would not be paying that much. Mm-hmm. So, so with class pass, you know, obviously that started as a, uh, as a, as a marketplace where class pass was basically taking some of the excess, uh, inventory that you had and basically trying to promote to the studios that were a lead generator for you. And those leads will fill your excess space, just like they do on an airplane. And you're going to turn those into paying customers. And if you fast forward, you know, from five years ago to today, they're basically looking at a studio's inventory as a retailer would inventory of products that they're putting on the shelf. And I'm trying to get the best price I can for consumers, which means I have to get get the best price from you on my inventory. And I'm going to change that to a credit system to try and, you know, take the dollars and cents out of it and, you know, gamify it. So when, when you think about split gym, obviously it's going to take time to educate the market on this, but in, in essence, you're basically representing the studio it, it, forget about clubs for a second, basically representing the studio to say, look, you have the ability to go and sell a 10 pack or sell a 20 pack or sell a monthly membership that includes a certain amount of sessions. And I'm creating a secondary market for the unused sessions, which mm-hmm. if I'm a studio operator, I've already sold the session. So I'm assuming that people are going to show up. I don't run my business in order to hope people don't show up. I actually want them to show up. Correct. So, so I'm max. So if I'm a studio, I'm maximizing revenue. I got a direct channel, so I'm getting full price for what I want, and I'm empowering the member to now say, "Hey, look, I've only gone 12 times. I got eight classes left. Let me put them into the open market, like a ticket uh, to a Ranger game that I can't go to because of X, Y, Z reason." And the studio now gets new members coming in, filling those spots that they already sold, so they should be indifferent or maybe even benefit from it because basically now I'm getting a free referral at mm-hmm. revenue I've already collected. Is that the, exactly. the storyline? Exactly. Yeah. So for every pass or listing that's sold on split gym, that means that the studio already collected revenue on the primary sale for that session. Got so it. they aren't really missing out on anything. And then do you envision having some kind of price floor? So it's, like I, I don't know, I, I'm sure like in like reverse auctions or like you list something at an auction or, you know, a painting or what have you, there's always a reserve price that you can't go below. So that would then detract from people trying to just dump inventory, which is basically the equivalent of, you know, the, the, the class pass formula. Right, right. So we, right. So the studios in the end really come up with whatever price they want to sell it at. And, you know, kind of when they onboard onto the platform in the beginning, you know, we collaborate with them and they look for us for guidance on how to price it. But, um, you know, the whole idea is the price is kind of in between the the retail price for a drop-in session and, you know, the per class or prorated cost of getting a package or a membership. So the buyer is still getting a deal. And, you know, it still financially doesn't make sense for them to continually buy drop-ins on here. Um, Mm -hmm. So there is pressure in terms of price. And then there's also pressure in terms of quantity of these listings available. So, um, you know, you're constraining the supply side of the marketplace uh, with these listings. 
Um, and you know, if people go on, there's not a pass for sale, uh, then they're going to start to get frustrated and then they end up converting to a package um, and buying it themselves if they really want to go to a place. So, Got it. so obviously you're a new company. How much integration have you already done or going to do? MindBody is obviously the largest provider of software into the studio space and there's other smaller businesses, but how, how do you do this? So it's seamless to a club or, or to a studio where there's not a lot of human interaction or, you know, breakage or, or confusion. Right. So, uh, so we're fully integrated with MindBody. Um, so it's totally seamless. It's not any issue at all for studios to, you know, they essentially could just turn it on. They grant us access to their data and they don't really have to do anything. Um, we have some, you know, most of them help market it as a value prop to their members, but um, in terms of the actual operations and implementing it, uh, super simple and easy. Um, and we've figured out a way in the back end so that, you know, when people sell their memberships or class sessions, you know, deducting the sessions and um, it's not any issue at all for, for the studio or the front desk people at all. Gotcha. So what, what are some of the early feedback that you've gotten to date and how are you incorporating that into you know, the next version or, or iteration of what you're shooting for. Yeah. So, uh, early on kind of refining our funnel, um, and our business model is dependent on people converting to these packages and memberships at studios. So, you know, we'll collect a, a fee on transactions. And then if someone ends up converting to a package or a membership at one of our studio partners, then we'll get a revenue share on that. So, you know, unlike kind of like the current aggregators, you know, they pitch that they want to convert people and that the studios are going to get members, but it doesn't really happen because there's no alignment of incentives because that means they'd stop paying, you know, the, the aggregator app uh, if they joined a studio. So, you know, we'll basically send, whether it's push notifications or kind of SMS and um, different ways to kind of advertise directly to our users, the packages and membership options at the studio, um, you know, that's kind of the funnel that we've been refining early on. But in terms of proving out the business model, um, we've done it in New York kind of on a smaller scale and looking for, for investors to start scaling it and start, you know, doing scalable marketing and uh, expanding to different cities. Gotcha. So, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur. You used to work in banking. You probably have a mindset that, uh, you know, everything should get done on time, quickly ramp according to your psychological and probably your Excel sheet plan. So give us a little window into being an entrepreneur, tackling an industry, you know, maybe we'll turn this into like a five minute, you know, entrepreneurial therapy <laughs> session for all of our listeners that, uh, that starting up their own business or running their own business so that they don't feel alone. <laughs> it has been a journey, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you, you learn, you know, you, everybody says everything takes 10 times longer and is twice as expensive, but it's, I would say double that even. Uh, so, you know, it really is about just plugging away and, and you have to have the level of conviction has to be high enough so that you do it when it, when it seems insane to everybody. Um, you know, and, and I think like you go through this process of, of maturing and, uh, it, it can't necessarily, you know, you have to be kind of passionate about the the idea and the concept that you're building, but the the real passion is for the process of going through it. It has yeah. to be because otherwise it's it's not enough uh, to really to make it. 
Um, so it's, it's definitely been a lot, you know, pulling together these platform businesses, you're pulling together all these different sides of the marketplace. So whether it's operating partners, the studios and the gyms, you know, users, investors, you're trying to convince everybody to go along with your idea, you know, and a lot of that is kind of building up the momentum when you're talking to all of them. And then you have to kind of catch up to what you're saying that you've, you've already done, even though you might not have done it yet. Um, so it's been an interesting journey. So, and who have you, uh, have you brought on any other full-time hires yet? Are you doing everything mostly outsourced and how did you think about, you know, here's what I'm good at, here's what I'm not good at and (laughs) kind of figure out, okay, when's the right time to bring people on? When's the right time to raise capital? What validation do you have from which accounts in order to use that as a, you know, launching pad to the next phase? Yeah, so we have a small engineering team uh, in-house. So we have we have a contractor that we work with, kind of helps out on some stuff part-time. But, you know, it's, it's I mean, we have people all over remotely. So we have a couple people in Chicago. We've got a guy in Brazil, a guy in Australia. Um, and then we have some, some marketing and business people in New York, um, as well as San Francisco. So, you know, in the beginning, it's like you said, it's messy, uh, but you, you pull it all together. And, you know, in terms of what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, I knew in the beginning, right, non-tech person starting a tech company, not not a great idea. So it's a little extra to, to get through in the beginning. Um, I, was that, I, I, was that same, I was that same guy exactly 20 years ago when I started up my right. fitness inside software. And they said, you know, what are you good at? And I'm like, I don't know. I think private equity and M&A. <laughs> They're like, why yeah. do you have a right to build a software company? I'm like, I... I'm not sure I have a right, but I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just figure it out. And uh, at some point, too, you're you're so deep in it that you just, you know, that's kind of a, you know, a catalyst to keep you going. Um, but, you know, in the beginning, right, kind of learning about the product development process and software, and you know, creating the mock-ups, teaching yourself Photoshop. And I taught myself to code a little bit on the front end. Um, but, you know, obviously couldn't do the bulk, especially a mobile-driven product. Uh, it's a lot of work. So definitely had to find kind of the technical kind of co-founding team to come in and, and help do that. And I think as a consumer product, you have to be able to iterate really quickly on this stuff. Um, so, you know, definitely, I mean, the business MA and and banking, it pre- prepares you and gives you a really good skill set for mm-hmm. a wide range of things on the business side. Um, but you need to know what you're what you're not good at and what you're good at and you know, find the find the right people. Yeah, gotcha. So real quick, give me a, uh, uh, you know, a couple minute pitch. If I'm a, a studio operator, I heard this podcast, um, you know, how quick, what do I have to, what do I have to do to get up and running? What kind of results do you think I should be seeing in what period of time? And, you know, what risks, if any, do I have to my business? So here's your, yeah. here's your studio pitch. Fire away. <laughs> Thank you for the spot. Yeah. Uh, so you could basically, I'm sure you'll link to our website so people can go onto our website. It's just splitgym.com, S-P-L-I-T-G-Y-M. Um, and you can reach out. There's a partners page um, and we'll get right back to you almost immediately. In terms of onboarding, you know, risks, I guess, and, and the whole pitch is that, you know, it really is just a tool for, for you guys to use however you want to use it. Um, and we proved out that it does convert people and it's a really, 
really attractive offering uh, and a lot of value to create for your members. And you're, you're increasing the value of the product that you're selling by allowing people to do this. And there, there really isn't any downside. Uh, you and I have been through the model and I mean, we tried, tried to poke holes in it a while ago and really hasn't been any issue at all with any of that. So that's great. All right. So, um, 85% of the way towards figuring out the business model, just like any other startup, <laughs> kind of a bit of a candy land game, I think, or shoots and ladders, yeah. one of the two. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you're always about 85% of the way. Uh, yeah. Right. Sure. Once <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. All right. You got any quotes that you live by or any quotes that you use in business that we should <laughs> add to our quote library here before we go? Um, I mean, I guess I would say, you know, to anyone kind of like thinking about getting out there or doing, doing this or just generally, uh, the right place, at the right time happens a lot more and you're always out there. So, you know, I mean, like I reached out to you, you just kind of have to create your own luck. And I think that's a big part of, you know, all the pieces falling into place. So. Agree. All right, man, <laughs> keep up the good work and, uh, we'll make sure people get testing your, uh, split gym and, See if we can create the the stub hub of the halo sector. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Pete. All right, man. Thank you.